Hi, Cole here, creator and narrator of The Town Whispers. It's been a long summer, but the leaves once again fall, and with autumn comes longer nights that beg for darker tales. And to fill those long, cold evenings, I've launched a brand new podcast called Tiny Terrors. Tiny Terrors is a nostalgic horror anthology series that is as fun as it is dark. Join three friends as they delve into a forgotten corner of storytelling history and bring to light the darker depths yet still hidden in those often untraveled corners. Subscribe, listen, and review Tiny Terrors wherever you listen to podcasts. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories hidden behind the rain and the fog in the trees of a town called The Fort. In relation to the span of a human life, The Fort is an old town, a frontier town set in the midst of unexplored wildlands. But in relation to what was here long before, The Fort has existed for the mere fraction of a blink, one single frame in the moving tableau of its history. Listener discretion is advised. I got the ghost of you inside of my head. What I'm supposed to do is already dead. He's Shall I go first, or would you like the honors? The tiller, the man in the cave, the burnt one, the smiling man, or simply the man with many names, all of them incorrect, gestured towards the front door. Peggy stared up at the face of the salt box shape of the home. 
The wood that comprised its face was dry and frayed from wind and rain and snow and the many seasons that had passed since anyone had tended to its needs and wants. She didn't want to go inside. She didn't want to see whatever secret it held. The steps alone were ugly and rotted. The windows looking in were so dirty. It looked as if they were frosted up with snow and ice and worst of all, a foul odor emanated from the forgotten home. So strong, she could smell it, very distinctly traveling along a soft breeze. All the way down on the weed-infested dirt path she stood on more than a handful of paces away. Despite her hesitation, she knew she would oblige the man. She would follow Edith's instructions, and she would do what she wished above all else in that moment that she didn't have to do. Meanwhile, the tiller stood patiently, awkwardly still, his hands by his side with perfectly straight arms in an unnatural way, as if he were frozen in time and he was nothing but the poor drawing the crude imitation of his own form. All he had to do was wait. Wait and Peggy would surely step through the door of her own accord. He could see it in her eyes. Peggy wished the birds would sing, wished the rabbits would jostle the bushes, wished the wind would sway the grass wildly as it had when she was lost in its midst. But the world was silent, only the tension and anxiety bottled up in her could be heard in Peggy's own reluctant footfalls. As the door opened, a wave of that foul odor which had in a small amount made her nostrils burn from the outside crashed against her as she stepped across the threshold. Making dust and dirt is nasty business. It's overwhelming, I suppose, for all those who don't see the delight in the stench of rotting meat. The air inside was filled with suspended dust. Simply opening the door had kicked up some of the thick layer that lay over everything. It hung in the air, making the beams of light which filtered in softly through the dirty windows into solid boxes of brightness in the otherwise shady and derelict home. The air itself was thick and humid and the stench made her sweat with nausea. Had she known the word, she might have turned to the tiller and described the bouquet of scents and aromas as an eclectic mix of sulfur and rot, bile and filth. Peggy could feel a slight warm breeze. She could see it whip and swirl the dust in the air, and she could see it in the dead leaves that were scattered about the floor, where the drag marks of their movement in the thick layer of dust told the tale as old as time. The tale was that of a home with no one left to live in it, abandoned, forgotten, forgotten like those who had once lit its fires and its hearths and cleaned its floors, a shelter left to collapse with no one left to shelter, 
it was almost surreal. Peggy walked about the room, touching her fingers to the dirt that lay on an old iron stove, its pipe slightly rusted away and cracked from where it joined to the rest of its body that extended the heat and smoke of the fire that once cooked the meals of those who lived there, up, up and out of the home. She swiveled on her heels, facing the back wall of the home. The window was shattered, and the light that slipped through its cracks and missing pieces was much harsher on her eyes and didn't quite illuminate the dust in such a magically melancholic way as the dirty windows had. Against the back wall and under the broken window was a table, handmade rough in places but respectable with two chairs. A family had sat there, had played cards there, had read there and laughed and ate there. But now nothing. If it had only been defined by its use and not its shape, the table would be nothing. With no one there to pull and push its chairs and smack its top in anger or laughter, it was nothing more than oddly shaped kindling with dry rot eating away at its legs. And then, of course, beside the doorway into the next room, there was a Chesterfield sofa. At one time, it would have been the pride of the home the centerpiece where a family would congregate in the evenings, a luxury for a farmhouse for certain, but like the rest of the home. Neglect and absence of tending hands had taken their toll, and the cushions were consumed by a well and deeply developed culture of black mold. Maybe that was the source of the smell, the epicenter of that all-encompassing aroma. But Peggy wouldn't test it, she wouldn't dare, she had vowed to continue breathing through her mouth, which was bad enough. Whatever it was in the air that smelt, it settled and lingered on her tongue. I think it's quaint, don't you? A cozy little home. If I were a gambling man, I would say this would make quite the humble little house. For a family of, say, three, perhaps. Peggy looked back, irritated, indignant, wishing the man would just go away. He'd never harmed a hair on her head, but as far as she could tell, it wasn't only his skin that was burnt, but the entirety of his insides as well. And she could smell it on every word. No good ever came from the man in the shadows. Oh, don't look so sour in the face. After all, I've known you longer than you've been you. He thought himself awfully clever. That was clear by the stretching smile that reached from ear to ear, or at least where his ears should have been. But by then, Peggy had turned her attention away from him. Something about the room felt oddly familiar or or significant Peggy couldn't remember what it was maybe maybe it was deja vu maybe paranoia her head felt full and swollen suddenly and her eyes were bulging in their sockets just enough to make her feel feverish and her ears they were bothering her they felt fuzzy they felt full of soft 
swarming sounds. There was a low droning like the sound of a thousand thousand crickets all chirping out of sync, all creating one silent but very loud and drowning peak of noise where it felt like Peggy's ears melted into her brain somewhere behind her eyes. Peggy took her fingers and jammed them into her ears quickly, but when that wouldn't get rid of the noise, she wiggled her fingers back and forth trying to shake the noise loose. When that still wouldn't work, and when the noise wouldn't go away, wouldn't leave her alone as it became a cacophony of what sounded like syllables, she covered her ears with the palms of her hands pressing tight, and with a look of wide-eyed panic, she looked to the man. The man she didn't trust. But what other choice did she have? If it hurts to fight it, maybe you should give in. Try to listen. This home might have something to say. It might be something very important. If it's trying to rip open your ears to make you hear. A moment of quiet. Just enough for Peggy to catch her breath. As she let her hands off her ears, the sound once again climbed in pitch, but as the man had said, Peggy tried to listen. Her ears pricked and pointed to the sounds that hummed in the air. Instead of being an overwhelming drone, Peggy began to pick out odd syllables and the harsh sounds of consonants. But they were different than those sounded in the words of the language she'd grown up hearing. It was a foreign language, or perhaps an older language, or some variation of the same words but distorted somehow. Peggy didn't know. What she did know was that the simple act of listening had relieved the pain of resisting, just as the man had said it would, and just as Edith had told her before. It is plain to see for those willing to look. She remembered hearing those words once upon a time. But Peggy wasn't sure when or where. But the memory made her wonder if trying to listen worked. What happened if she tried to see? See who or what whispered the words into the air? Was it simply a matter of intent? All she had to do was try and see and find out for herself. Peggy's eyes blurred as she unfocused them. It made sense to her, in her mind, the mind of a child, that if she were trying to listen and watch everything, the entirety of what was before, even what was hidden, that in order to do so, she'd have to listen to nothing, and look at nothing in particular. As Peggy unfocused her eyes, the Chesterfield's edges became blurred. The door frame into the back room was doubled, 
and the light coming from the window was diffused and wide with much less form. Look at nothing, and maybe you'll see it all, Peggy thought to herself. And as she had done with her eyes, so too she did with her ears. Peggy stopped picking out and naming the sounds, the creaking of her own feet rocking back and forth on the floorboards, the sound of her own breath, the terribly uncomfortable noise of the man's two dry lips rubbing against his ridged teeth. It all came together in one rolling symphony of the world. And as it did, Peggy smiled for a moment, amazed at how the world changed with something as simple as opening one's ears and eyes to it all. The simple intent of taking in everything. The words themselves in bits and fragments were the first sign that what the young girl was doing was working. And then came the shadows. They flitted back and forth across the room frantically. But when they stopped, Peggy could see the clear outline of a man against the wall. She almost lost it for a second, almost snapped her vision and focus back into place. It, it startled her, but she regained her composure, refusing to lose the ability to see and hear through sheer will. It was unnatural and felt uncomfortable, painful even to hold her eyes and her ears that open. Peggy, in her peripheral vision, afraid to move her pupils, could see the faint outline of the man who cast the shadow, just at the edge of her vision. His outline was clearest and sharper than the rest of him that faded away like pale watercolors. That's when she could see his mouth and the words were in sync. She was trying very hard not to turn to the shape of the man who spoke the words and cast the shadow, like the urge to swallow. The urge to turn her eyes and look grew stronger and stronger and ignited a small spark of panic in her chest. What was this? Who was this? But her questions remained unanswered. At first, she couldn't understand the way the man's body and mouth moved spastically and with an odd cadence that seemed contradictory to how a person should move. He was moving backwards, she realized, slightly out of sync with himself, the feet following slightly behind the shoulders, but he was moving backwards. His feet, heel first, led from the room. As his shoulders pressed in the opposite direction, defying gravity, he ran in reverse, bursting into the back room, or rather, out of the front room of the small home. Peggy followed just as abruptly, lost in the rapture of the moment, her ability to see, well, she wasn't sure. A ghost, or invisible people? Oh, it crashed into Peggy, the totality of the wretched stench that had emanated from the home. And through trying to maintain her focus of the man who moved so fast, she breathed it in through her nose. Oh God, she thought it must have been stronger in the back room because she had entirely forgotten about it a mere three or four steps away closer to the door until she had burst through it. Oh, it was too much for Peggy. Too vile, too acidic. 
As she wiped her mouth clean, she looked around the room in a panic. Where was the shadow and the man made of sad and muddy watercolors? Where were his words and his funny language? She couldn't see or hear anything. As she looked around the room, her eyes came to rest, finally adjusting to their newly regained focus on what Piggy knew must be the source of the smell, and now the flies that flew into her face like little battering rams of petty pestilence. In the corner of the kitchen, near the back door leading to the outside, lay a corpse. Its fur was torn out in tufts and parts of its body sagged in places where the decay of death had taken its toll, and in other places there were open gashes and holes where maggots wriggled against one another, and some fell on the floor and writhed about there instead. It had been a white-tailed deer, a giant, great large stag, with reaching antlers. The carcass just lay there in front of Peggy, dead and badly decayed. Its eyes had melted, the skin around them dried or rotted away, showing the white bone of its eye socket and forehead extending to the antler, and dried to it, the ichor of death. How to die? Peggy wondered. Her eyes drifted to the ribs in its chest which had been pried open, bent and broken out of place, and where its heart should have been, only an open, gaping wound. Something had eaten its heart. Something had ripped it right out of it. Well, Peggy didn't like the thought of that. Maybe it had been a scavenger, or a fox. The deer had died of old age or some sickness and fallen dead, retreating into the old abandoned home for shelter in its last moments and there, defenseless and dead, its heart had been ripped from its body. Or, or that was the wound that had killed the stag. The great, mighty stag with its intimidating, sharp-reaching antlers. And if that was the case, it was no fox that had stolen its heart. Oh, you were doing so well, Peggy. You were finally seeing and hearing. Oh, could we just forget about this foul beast, just for a moment? We're almost done, I promise. Just a little more to go. It's so exciting, isn't it? Let's not dilly-dally. It really isn't important. What killed the deer? Not now. Not when you're on the edge of discovering for yourself something that is so exhilarating and delightful. I promise. Why did Peggy doubt that very much? Probably because the Shadow Man was a liar. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. 
Our theme song is by the ever-wonderful Charlie P.S. Hi, townies. I hope you enjoyed this episode because it was one of my favorite to write. Now, I know there have already been so many changes in and around the fort lately, but I think we can all agree that these changes are all good changes. We've moved ad-free episodes from our $5 tier on Patreon to our $1 tier on Patreon. We've eliminated the horrifying mid-roll ads. And right here, and now, I have more to share with you yet. Townies, I'm proud to announce that we finally have merch. Yes, that's right, we have merchandise. Our Patreon members have seen some of the art in the past in the form of stickers and digital rewards, but now it's time to expand on that and allow you the delight to purchase some of your very own Town Whispers swag, if you so choose. And yes, that includes apparel, which I myself, funny enough, just ordered. You can view our store by visiting www.thetownwhispers.com and clicking on the store tab. Please consider joining us at www.patreon.com slash thetownwhispers. If you would like to support us in other ways, please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at The Town Whispers, or by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on the show, please head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.